What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch from Real Ones, and I have some big news to share. On Saturday, February 18th, the Ringer NBA show will be hitting the road for All-Star Weekend for a live show in Salt Lake City. You heard that right. We are taping the pod in front of a live audience in Salt Lake next month, and we want you to join us. Pull up on us at the Stateroom in the heart of downtown Salt Lake. You can grab your tickets now at thestateroom.com. That's thestateroom.com. Doors open at 9 o'clock. Show is at 10. It's going to be a 21 and up event. Come hang with the gang and chat. Mid-season updates, draft preview, and even have a Q&A with us. Space is limited, so grab your tickets while they last at thestateroom.com or click the link in the description of this show. Hope to see y'all in there. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me, he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com, is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Characters, Kevin! Uno! How is your Tuesday going, my friend? Everything's great. We are now past the trade deadline. We are hurtling towards the all-star break very, very soon. A um, couple more games that we will watch before the all-star break uh, and all-star weekend that comes up this weekend. Uh, but what we have today is an opportunity to talk about some of our first impressions. You know, the trade deadline saw a lot of guys change jerseys, some more significant than others. But the fun part about the trade deadline and when there is a tremendous amount of activity is that then when you're flipping on league pass, you're seeing all of these guys now playing for their new teams and for sure get a new impression of them. Um, Takes a while for things to come together and a lot of these teams don't have very much time for it to come together. So let's just kind of dive into it. The biggest fish was Kevin Durant and and we're not seeing him yet. Okay, but the first huge news is surrounding the trade deadline. Isn't it still weird to see him wearing that practice jersey, though? Like that's taking a little getting used to. I'll tell you what's weirder. What's weirder is everybody talking about Phoenix and that huge deal and talking about Kevin Durant like in the present tense and, you know, that they're. They're now the West favorites, or you've got to put them up at the top of the West. And somewhere along the way, it never was like part of the story that he's not playing right now, you know? Like, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, Kevin Durant got traded. And then you just expect that you're going to be able to flip on the Suns and see what the Suns look like. But there is a maximum amount of games that they're even going to get to play together before we see them in very high-stakes basketball, and who knows what Durant is going to look like when he first comes back. Usually, when he comes back from anything, he looks like Kevin Durant, and he's good to go. But with this particular injury and the fact that he has had some knee issues before, it's surely worth monitoring how it kind of holds up when he does try to come back because they'll have probably 20 games, less than 20 games, then they'll be going straight into playoff basketball. Um, You've got these other teams that are trying to figure it out. Usually, you know, teams, you try to figure it out at the beginning of the season. Even when they threw together the Heatles, 
even when we saw Chris Paul and James Harden, whoever, like there is an amount of time that it takes to get used to the new way you're going to play with another great player on the team. And so one that we were wanting to hone in on for sure is Dallas. And seeing what it looks like with Luka Doncic in need of help, getting help in the form of Kyrie Irving. I flip it on last night and they're getting stomped. And I'm like, well, this isn't going well. (laughs) I think they're down 18 by the time I flipped the game on. And then I kept it on. I was like, you know, I know they're down like 20 going into the fourth, but you never know. Uh, Maybe they clamp down. Maybe somebody catches a heater. So I just kind of left it on. Um, And I'm glad I did because Kyrie Irving went absolutely nuclear in that fourth quarter. They ended up coming up short. It was not enough to overtake Minnesota. Uh, But you saw a small bit of the fact that they've got two guys now that could do this to you at any given moment. I kind of left it thinking, though, man, you're going to have to get that to happen a lot in unison, Kev, because they are small and they are crap on defense. They're going nowhere in the playoffs. 124 points to Minnesota, 133 to Sacramento. Uh, I mean, I think their offense is going to be an absolute juggernaut with Luka and Kyrie. If those guys click on the, you know, a 10 out of 10 level, they're still developing chemistry. You know, like they're sending doubles at those guys early in the game. Part of the reason why Minnesota built a lead. There's going to be some adjustment in terms of figuring out the chemistry there and how those guys are going to work together and maximize each other. Um, but you're right. Like when one, when one or both of those guys get hot, they're impossible to stop. No matter, no matter what you're doing on defense, no matter what Minnesota did in that fourth quarter, you know, as good as Anthony Edwards and, and McDaniels were all game long, they were fantastic as they have been for quite a while now. It, it doesn't matter when an offensive player gets that hot. I just don't think that Dallas team, everybody talks about them as some sleeper contender. I don't see it, Chris. I don't think they're big enough. I don't think they have enough bodies on defense. The, this team is built to score a lot, not built to get a ton of stops. Even right now, like they have Dwight Powell, JaVale McGee were playing ahead of Christian Wood this past week. Wood played 23 minutes last night against Minnesota, had a, another great game. It's just a weird mix right now. They're trying to figure out these different combinations since Christian Wood isn't your, you know, he's not an anchor on defense. They're trying out Powell. McGee hasn't worked. I just feel like they're throwing darts trying to figure out their defense and they're not going to end up with answers. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see how they play too because these are getting up and down the court, flying up and down. And one of the things that I've always found to be very difficult um rooting against Luca is that he just controls the pace. You're playing the game at whatever pace he wants to play that game, and it feels like they're going to have to outscore people because they're not going to be able to get enough stops. And I don't think it behooves them to play more half-court basketball simply because of their personnel. I mean, they were already bottom 10 in the NBA in defense, and they lost their best on-ball defender in Dorian Finney-Smith. And He's not replaced with anything. And so, I don't know, man. Like, it almost felt to me last night, especially when Kyrie went off, like a worse defensive version of what I saw with the Nets, where it is going to be these two just extraordinarily brilliant offensive players, and then you hope the other guys can knock down open threes that surround them. So you're going to have to have Tim Hardaway Jr. knock down open threes and Reggie Bullock and the rest of these guys. But you saw even with Gobert last night, for all his foils, I mean, they they couldn't do anything with him in terms of keeping him off of the glass. Um, They finally got him off the court by spacing it out in that fourth quarter. Um, And... You know, Finch decided to just go small against them, but there were segments of that Chris, game. I, I, don't, I, I just want to interject. I don't think Minnesota did that because Gobert was getting exploited, though. I, I think that for Minnesota was about, you know, also about the offensive end. Kyle Anderson was playing really well. It was about spacing on offense for Minnesota, I felt, too, to give them a little bit of juice, too. 
Um, I'm going to go back. Offense? I mean, he should be the advantage. You could just throw him the ball every time. He's got a six-foot guy on him. Yeah, I mean, we know that Gobert is not going to knock that guy, though. However, though, I mean, he was All you have to do is turn and dunk. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> was perfect. Yeah, that's not his game, though. He was perfect in the game, though. Nine of nine. Him and Mike Conley. Conley already making such a difference for Gobert on offense. Uh, their pick-and-roll chemistry looks just as good as it has been the last two years in Utah. Per second spectrum, they're scoring 1.27 points per pick-and-roll when Conley and Gobert link up together. That's best mark of the entire year for the Minnesota Timberwolves with Gobert as a screener. Already, it's an upgrade from D'Lo. And, uh, I mean, Anthony Edwards as well. I mean, that dude is playing like a top 15, oh. top 20 guy right now. Well, in the defense, at the end of the game, him and McDaniels. Oh, my goodness. In unison. Ferocious. ferocious. Yeah. I mean, that's handcuffs. Handcuffs. Yeah. I, even some of the shots Kyrie was hitting where it was Ant or, I mean, it was different guys defending Kyrie. Austin Rivers at times, Anderson a couple, you know, a- Anthony Edwards sometimes. No matter who it was, they sometimes they still had really good contests on Kyrie Irving, and yet he was still, you know, drilling shots. You know, I love Kyle Anderson. I've gotten to know him and gotten to root for him for four years prior to that. What a great free agent signing for them. He has yeah. saved their ass this year. Oh, he's been Especially so good. Especially in the absence of Towns. He has been so good and so essential. And last night, hits two huge shots down the stretch. And also, you know, the, the pickpocket of Luka with the whole game on the line. Crazy. Kyle Anderson's been amazing for them this year, kind of holding that thing all together and being able to withstand uh, some of the injuries and some of the controversy that has gone on. Because he's just a good all-around basketball player. He can do everything well. He just does it all slow. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, his nickname going back to college. Slowly, his nickname but, going back to college was Slow-Mo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he does it, he, he does it, he does it all well, though. Um, I and again, it's a first impression. I just feel like Luca and Kyrie are gonna have to score so many points. And I yeah. just don't know yeah, if they how- can Play that How? way and win one thirty to one twenty five. You, 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 know? you got you got bad defense, bad depth, bad coach. You're not winning anything in the postseason. Yeah, they can't, uh, and they can't play those two and Wood together without giving up one hundred and fifty points. It doesn't feel like I, I just, I just, I just don't see it with Dallas. I don't see it. I don't see a championship formula. Like I see second round upside. Maybe they sneak into a conference finals, but there's no way in hell this team is winning the NBA finals. There's no chance. It's just such a it's such a weird situation, top to bottom. I mean, like they're, they're searching. Like Jason Kidd said the other day, he's talking sarcastically. He's like, "Oh, defense, you know, it's not as important now. We're all about offense and outscoring teams." It was a very tongue in cheek, you know, comment from Jay Kidd when he said that. But it's just so strange how. This team, like all year long, you have Christian Wood playing very, very well on offense. And then you make the Kyrie trade, the trade deadline hits, and he goes from playing 35, 40 minutes a night to 19, 17, 12, 18, 23. It's just such a strange, strange situation in Dallas right now that I have a hard time figuring out watching from afar what's actually going on there why they're making some of these decisions, why JaVale McGee is suddenly back in the rotation despite getting roasted early in the year, why Dwight Powell is starting games even though he offers no spacing on offense, no interior defensive help on that end. It's just weird what they're doing there. And and I don't totally understand. But also, I don't necessarily think that even if Christian Wood's playing 35, 40 minutes, that they have enough answers on defense anyway. Uh, I think they have limited outside. I think we're kind of both on the same page. Our first impression of Dallas not Great, to say the least. Um, well, fun. Fun with the scoring, just not championship-level basketball. They, they need they need a dominant interior guy for their defense and more wing help and a better coach. So it's a lot of issues. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. 
This week, I have a couple of favorite futures bets in the NBA. The Sacramento Kings are plus 410 to win the Pacific Division. The Suns are the favorite at minus 150. And then the Clippers at plus 360. The Kings are only two games up on the Suns, but that's pretty good value at this point of the season. And then also to make the playoffs, it's a literal risky with LeBron James currently out with injury. But the Lakers at plus 210 with LeBron and AD after all of their trades, that's pretty good value right now this week. So you could do that on the FanDuel app. And if you want to, you can combine bets for a bigger payout using the same game parlay. You can do that with points, rebounds, assists, player props, or FanDuel exclusive bets like the two by three, which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. So give a no-sweat first bet a try for up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com forward slash mismatch. That's FanDuel.com slash mismatch. Head there to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. The refund is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days and restrictions do apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com forward slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, visit ccpg.org forward slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Regarding the late game, Lakers-Portland, getting to see what they look like. Now, the Lakers, with their new-look team, minus LeBron, not very impressive, certainly not very impressive, going up against Damian Lillard, who dropped 30 in the first half of their ass. And then you have this Anthony Davis frustration that like boils up again, and then there's a story that comes out. By the morning about him deleting his Instagram. And I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. You know, my producer on my show today, he said, he was like, I would not be surprised. He's like, did you see the video? And I did see this. I think you probably saw it too. Remember when he didn't get up and celebrate whatever, but there was also that video of like LeBron, like putting his arm around him. He's like, you know, I love you. You know, I love you and whatever. And I had not thought about this, and I haven't heard people bring this up. My producer was saying, I bet he heard they shopped him. And I was like, now that would make sense. That's what that tweet said. Someone said, like, AD said, you know, they're trying to trade me. And that, but I, I listened to that a hundred times, and I, can't, I couldn't hear anything but in there about you AD you think about the that. way this is all played out not being into it with the rest of the guys and happy about the LeBron thing. LeBron doing the, you know I love you, you know I love you. Then you get the whole, like, deleting of Instagram and being upset about the whole thing. Like, something happened, and, I, you know, he said the other night, he tried to make it go away. You know my relationship with Braun, and you guys were making a deal out of this. I was just mad because we were losing to the Thunder and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Man, something is up. Something something is up. And obviously, he's very frustrated. Uh, they lose that game. And something like that game, like the, that's one of their peers that's going to be fighting for these play-in spots. Like, they need to beat teams like the Blazers. And likewise, the Blazers need to be able to beat teams like them. And I think there was some sentiment that LeBron was going to play in these last two before the All-Star break. And then he didn't play last night. And then there's this, it's his foot. And then the Lakers, I think, reported it as an ankle. But then there's other people reporting it's his foot. But then there's other people saying he's going to be a participant in All-Star Weekend. And he'll be there at the All-Star Game. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what do you mean he's going to be in the All-Star Game? Like, he's not playing in these games against critical games that like his team needs to win if they're going to be able to have a shot at the play in and uh, like how does he know is it, I, I don't know they want to like over the weekend it's like his foot is more serious than it was let on there's people saying he's really playing through injury and his foot really hurts okay cool I accept it and so then the next game he doesn't play but then I hear like, yeah, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna be at the All Star Games. Like, 
how do you how do you know his, his foot's going to be okay by Sunday? Like he's just going to play the All Star game. Why isn't he playing in these games? I'm just so confused about the whole damn thing. What do you make of it? They also play way too many three guard lineups. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, that's just another thing I'm throwing out there too. There's a whole a whole lot of issues for the Lakers. I mean, look, I, I think with LA, man, we can't judge what their upside is until LeBron James is back on the floor. That goes without saying. Without LeBron James, one of the 10 best players in basketball, it's hard to judge what the upside of the team is and what the what the actual relevancy is of the new additions that they made. But in some of these games, you can still look at Anthony Davis and say, he's either loafing out there, moping, sad, or playing through some injury still that's limiting his play. He looks like he's not as quick, as fluid offensively, defensively he's not making that all-world impact that he did earlier in the year when he was playing like a top 10 guy and that's the major source of concern that I have here with Anthony Davis what level is he actually going to be playing at here because all year long even going back to last season for that matter Chris Russell Westbrook deserved a heck of a lot of blame with the Lakers but 80 last year was not the same guy he was during their run to a championship he's not the same guy this year he continues to either get hurt will have to play through injury and the mentality that he plays with as well, whether it's influenced by physical issues or what. It's just not at a level that the, the Lakers need to climb back into the play-in tournament, never mind the playoffs. They need AD to be I mean, I don't know, AD. Kev. Look at the guy's numbers. So it's just not indicated by his numbers? It's not like he's having some cramps. He's a starter Chris, the All-Star he, he, game. He was, and- yeah, I know. I, yeah, because he was unbelievable earlier in the season. And then he he was really good I- even last week, but then he's <laughs> even he, last week. It, so I mean, we're just talking about last yeah, night. No, yeah, but like it goes week to week with AD. Like he's dominating last week, and then then this week he can't out hustle, out play Eubanks. Again, they're winning against the Warriors. He was only five for nineteen from the field. He, it was a poor scoring performance for him. He's got completely punked by Giannis last Thursday, the night of the deadline. Completely punked by Giannis. Like, he's just not playing at the level that he needs to. And I, I think you can, yeah, you can say he was dominant, you know, in December. He was dominant in November. That's why he's an all-star. Even in early February, he was dominant. But right now, he's not. He's I not mean, right hell, now. Kev, I don't know, man. He played 30 minutes last night. He had 19 points, 20 rebounds, and three blocks. Yeah, but he's still it's not playing fault? at the level. No, it's, I'm not saying it's his fault. The rest of those, those guys suck. Chris, I'm not. When did I say it's his fault? I'm saying that he's he needs to elevate his play. How about the other stretch. guy needs to play, and not like uh, surround, make everything about the scoring record, and then the all like it doesn't feel like the season is Chris, nearly as important both, as the both, other both, stuff. Both things can be true. You know, I'd be both, mad. Both things can be true, and he might have tried to trade his buddy. Chris, you know what I mean, both things can be true. What? And why, why would they not try to trade Anthony Davis when he when when whatever issues he's having continue to plague him? And we don't even know if that's true. We have no idea if that's true. I've I've personally heard no indication of that. I mean, I, why I wouldn't trade him because he's averaging twenty six and twelve on fifty six percent from the field. I mean, I, he's played forty three games or whatever it is. I mean, I mean you can box low. score or watch if you want, but, but I mean, the guy almost had twenty twenty last night, Kevin. What are we talking about? He's the problem. I never said he's the problem. <laughs> you, can, you can continue to take my words out of context or you can reply to what I said. That is what you said. They need Anthony Davis to be better. Yeah. Then 20 and 20? Yeah, if LeBron, yeah, if Le, yeah, like I said, you could box score watch or watch Eubanks completely punk him last night. Giannis punk him last week. I mean, I, I, I don't look at the Lakers and them throwing this together and sit there and say Anthony Davis is my big problem. I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm, not just, I'm not saying he's the big problem, Chris. I'm saying he's one of the problems. And without LeBron James out there, you expect more from him. One of the other issue I mentioned the three guard lineups. You don't have enough size on defense, puts more responsibility on the Lakers, puts more responsibility on him as the five out there to have to get stops. He needs more help too. Darvin Ham I mean, probably needs to play fewer of these three guard lineups as well. There's a lot of issues for the Lakers right now. I mean, you look, D'Angelo Russell, Troy Brown Jr., Hachimura, Dennis Schroeder. I wouldn't want any four of those guys starting for my team. Literally. You want to want D'Lo starting for your team? No. You want to talk about box scores? The guy's been averaging like... No. 
No? He has never been a winning player to me. He would be, a, I think he'd be an outstanding backup. But I mean, I don't think that D'Angelo Russell is ever going to be the starting point guard on an awesome team. I would be surprised. Um, you know, I mean, I watched him get benched in the playoffs last year. And you're going to laugh. And you're going to la- and you're gonna laugh at me here. I already, I'm prefacing what I'm about to say. You're going to laugh at me here. The other thing the Lakers need to consider here is putting AD at the four and having him be in the Robert Williams role that we saw in Boston last year. And they need to have either Bamba or Vanderbilt at the five. By putting AD at the four, you allow him to roam more on defense, be more of a disruptor, and still maintain some size and room protection inside, whether that's from Bamba or whether that's from Vanderbilt. So I think for the Lakers here, when Bamba returns, that's something they should experiment with, with less of those you know, three-guard lineups, maintaining size, putting AD at the four. The Celtics last season, when they did that with Robert Williams and Al Horford, granted different types of players, different levels of players, that elevated their defense. So I think for the Lakers here, that's something that they're going to have to do once they get Bamba back. But LeBron coming back is the main thing. Like, that's obviously the main thing. They have to get him back. But there's a there's a long list of problems here for the Lakers. And I also, I mean, there's nothing any defense could do with compared to what the Blazers did in that game last night. Nearly 50% from three. Matisse Thibel having one of the best shooting nights of his entire <laughs> career. Damian Lillard completely unstoppable. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about Damian Lillard when he's playing at that level. He's having, Dame's having arguably the best regular season of his entire career. And this comes a year after we thought, oh, this abdomen injury, is this going to limit him? No, he's he's better than maybe he has ever been ever before. And I, I think for the Blazers, um, they, they just they just shot the shit out of it. Mate, Matisse Thibel, obvious mismatch listener. This is what goofed on him last week. Four for six from three. That is not what we thought he'd be bringing to the table. And I could not help but laugh last night because I had the Knicks on against the Nets. Josh Hart also shooting threes. I think he was four for six in their game. Josh Hart was banging threes on one channel and Matisse Thibel banging threes later in the night. I'm like, hold on a second now. Thibel, like the non-shooters, knocking down four threes. And Josh Hart, who wasn't shooting threes at all, ever, in Portland, is now knocking down threes for the Knicks. You figure it out. But, hey, Thibel going to go in there. And, if Thibel's going to go in there and knock down four for six threes, you might as well just get in the car and go home. Yeah. You got a big problem on your I hands. think the other thing the Lakers need to do is with, with Anthony Davis, bulk having him bulk up, that's what sapped him of his burst. I know you're so impressed by the numbers, but he just doesn't have the same same fluidity, the same quickness that he had in the past. And I think that's the other thing they're going to have to consider as well is do we want AD to be bulked up like this? Do we want him heavier or do we want him leaner? Um, I mean, look, I'm so just defending him because this is the same shit that goes on with literally every player that's ever played with LeBron. Everybody, every good player. It's the worst gig in the world. Rosillo did a whole pod on this. It really is. Because when you're good, you're good. And LeBron gets all the credit. And then when you're bad, you get all the blame. And it's happened with Kevin Love. It's happened with Chris Boss. It's happened with Dwayne Wade. It's happened with Kyrie Irving. It's happened with everybody that's good that plays alongside. So that's why I'm a little sore about the Davis stuff. It's because, like, look at the rest of that team that's there, and when it's LeBron and putting up those numbers, you don't say, I don't call you box score watcher. You sit there and go, it's not LeBron's fault. He had 30 and 8. What do you want him to do? It's all these shit players with him. You always do that. Literally yeah. well, always. You know what? With, Every with time Anthony I Davis, blame LeBron, that's what you say. With Anthony Davis, it's not LeBron's fault that he his shot fell apart. He's shooting below 30% for three for three straight years or that he's not the same level impact defensively or he plays only a third of his games. I mean, with he's Anthony still- Davis, the, these, these have been things with AD going back to New Orleans, Chris. This is nothing new. We've been talking about AD the same way for 10 years. This has nothing to do with LeBron James. Zero. Nothing. Nothing. The point is, what? What this doesn't has have nothing to-, to do with LeBron James? Has everything to do with Anthony Davis, and it's been the same conversation going back. I'm saying to Anthony. When he was a here, here's what it has to do with it, Kevin. Anthony Davis, like everyone else, there's no one that has played with LeBron that we end up thinking higher of, unless they're a role player. 
There's nobody we think higher of. And in fact, most of the time when they leave, we think higher of them. What's your opinion of Kuzma right now? It's a lot higher than it was when he was playing with LeBron. What's your see, opinion of see, I don't think all those guys? I don't think that's necessarily true with Chris Chris Bosh. I think sure Bosch, it was with Bosh. With Bosh, he put up much bigger numbers with Toronto. But then, oh my god! But then Chris in Bosch Miami, but but then I know Miami. I know he did. But I wasn't on NBA podcast at the time. I wasn't in sports he media. Got at killed the time. in Miami. I wasn't on sports media at the time. I'm talking yeah. about me as a Celtics fan at the time. I gained new respect for Chris Bosh when I was watching those Celtics heat battles over the years because Chris Bosh became a three-point shooter. He started knocking down corner threes out of nowhere from Miami in the conference finals. He started playing the five for them. He started doing the things that were necessary. And part of the reason why the league has changed the way it has was because of Chris Bosh's evolution. So I wasn't in sports media at the time, one of the people blaming Bosh. I was a Celtics fan getting pissed off because Chris Bosh was dominating my team. So I don't think it's necessarily true. Just because the, the these narratives and the way media talks about these things, I don't think that's necessarily true. I was more impressed with Chris Bosh, the way he evolved in Miami the, compared to what he was in Toronto, where I thought he was a great player, an all-star, big numbers guy, but he started having championship qualities while he was in Miami. So I don't, I, I don't agree there with Bosh. You can might say that with other guys, with Kevin Love, maybe. You can say that, fit in, don't fit out. You might be able to say that with Kyrie Irving. He, I don't think so with Dwayne Wade either. Those guys were he took he rightfully took a back seat behind LeBron James and still dominated doing all the things that he had to do. Those Heatle teams were amazing. And I don't think that's true with Miami at all, especially not with Bosch from my perspective in my pre-sports media days. All of those lists that would come out if you were talking about Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch was, uh, and look, he was not going to be the best player on a title team, but people thought high, more highly of Bosch as, I mean, and it, just because of his role. He was the third guy. When you go to Miami and you're the third guy, you're not going to be thought of as highly, just like Kevin Love. Again, same kind of thing, actually, because Kevin Love was putting up 20s and 20s in Minnesota. I mean, he wasn't going to win anything. Bosch was winning more in Toronto than him. But, I mean, the numbers were big time for Bosch and Love. And they're making all-star teams. And even if they were on not-so-good teams, you know, it's just like Ray Allen. People thought when Ray Allen was the man playing for the Sonics, people thought more of him than they did when he was playing with Garnett and Pierce. Doesn't mean he isn't great for evolving and turning into something different. But when you're the guy, when you're the best player on a team, Did people really people think, think less. People thought less of Ray Allen when he was in Boston. I'm saying you think the most of a guy when he's the first option. That's just always true. Yeah, I mean, I guess to an extent. I mean, every every right? every team has different needs in, in in terms of what's necessary to impact winning. And with those Celtics teams in the late 2000s, you know, KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, they. They all mutually agreed how much those guys were going to have to sacrifice. Uh, I mean, Ray Allen still could have put up 25 points per game when he went to Boston, but he but he didn't. Yeah. He decided he decided to take you know what was it six, seven, eight less shots per game because that's what he had to do to win. No, it's noble for sure. Makes him a winning player. Makes him a great player. And it makes people you know these guys are Hall of Famers. I'm just saying when you are the man, someone is always going to think you know. Those guys were getting a lot more accolades. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. The, the main, the main issue with the Lakers is health, like LeBron or like desire, whatever it is, whether it's well, desire to play through stuff or whether it's health. Like if the LeBron injury is legitimately, legitimately more concerning. Because I, I don't know if I said this on this show or what with you, Chris, or if we were just texting. But January thirtieth, someone told me that LeBron's injury is more serious than people believe. So. I, I, that's like a source that I'm not sure the, the level of, you know, trustworthiness, but it is interesting that I was hearing that back in late January when I'm not like the most tight end. I'm not Chris Haynes with clutch. I'm not Shams with clutch, one of those guys. But it is interesting that I was hearing that. You can look at that one of two ways. You can say, I'm hearing that because it was trickling out that it actually is a more serious issue, or I'm hearing that because like they're just, laying the groundwork for him just to sit out once he gets past the record, and he's going to act hurt at the end of the game just to set up, you know, not playing. It's one of those two things. We'll find out after the, after the All-Star break. When him and AD get some rest, that's when it's really going to matter when we're actually going to be able to fully judge this new-look Lakers team when they have all of their, got their guys back, you'd think. Is it fair to say if, he's, if he is seriously hurt, if it is worse, 
which has been reported, and you said you heard a long time ago, that there's absolutely no way he should be playing in an all-star game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. If he's a- if he is actually hurt, yeah. And yet they have already said he's planning on playing in the all-star game. Yeah. So I guess he's going to, he knows that that's going to heal by then. Pretty strange. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Pretty strange. Is, is, is the there least. any, any chance he plays Wednesday? Yeah. The Pelicans? Is there he a chance? He was supposed of that? to, everybody said he was going to be playing, like at least the LA reporters were acting like he was going to play the two before the all-star game. Okay. So, so, so maybe he'll so play he, the one. So he's supposed to play Wednesday against the Pelicans then. Yep. Okay. Boy, that was a weird one too. Speaking of the Pelicans, your Pelicans, uh, Flipping on last night and crunch time, seeing Josh Richardson out there. I mean, I guess I was wrong. I thought they had just attained Josh Richardson. I guess they needed him. He's out there. He's out there on the court, like with the game on the line and making super heady plays for them when it mattered most. You know, they've got some young guys out there, Trey Murphy, and, uh, you know, he really can't, you know, he doesn't have Valachunas ever out there, really, with the game on the line, usually. Um, but yeah, Josh Richardson out there, another guy. And I know you wanted to mention uh, the Sixers, McDaniels, which is kind of the other side of the whole uh, Thibel decision. What do you make of the McDaniels deal on the uh, first impression? I mean, it's kind of funny saying this after Thibel has, you know, a hell of a shooting performance and he's <laughs> flying around everywhere on defense for the Blazers last night, you know, with their wings, Cam Reddish, Asir Little playing 28 minutes and. Yeah, I mean, they, they looked great last night, Portland did. But for Jalen McDaniels with Philadelphia, pretty clear upgrade, I think, so far. Based off their needs, what, what they need from that position. He's a three-level scorer, scoring at the rim, pulling up from mid-range, banging threes, and still making an impact defensively. To me, he's a pretty clear upgrade for Philadelphia with what they need on both ends. The Nets, Knicks. All right, two things here. First, Thibodeau's in love with Josh Hart, as we knew he would be. Talked about his competitive spirit. Guy's just got a winning competitive <laughs> spirit. And, and that has worked out famously. I mean, Brunson has his unbelievable 40 piece. And I think Hart had 27. Um, I'm a huge Josh Hart fan. He's fit in perfectly with that Knicks deal so far. And you know, I think the Knicks are probably just going to keep on moving up the standings. It'll probably be like, they might very well be in like a 4-5 game or something. And they added another dog to the mix, and clearly Brunson loves having his buddy there. And they work very well together, and it was crazy to watch, as I mentioned earlier, Josh Hart hit shooting threes again. I don't, I don't understand why he was never shooting threes in Portland, but he wasn't. And he, was a, he had gotten to be a pretty good three-point shooter before that. He had had, like, he was like in the, you know, mid-30s up to 40% from three in seasons prior, and then this year just, in, it's 2023, and the guy's like not shooting threes anymore. Just kind of being a great perimeter rebounder, and you know that kind of keep the ball moving glue guy. But he's shooting threes again, at least in New York so far. Yeah, it's nice to see that small sample size, six and nine from three, which is nice. Amazing. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. What are you? Twelve. Uh, <laughs> on the net side, I, mean, I got to yeah, be honest. Well, wait a minute. Your guy, Josh Hart, Chris. It's, it's the good. best it's, player in America. It, 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 <laughs> it is My nice guy. to see him excelling. And, and him and Jalen Brunson, boy, oh, boy. Jalen Brunson is hes a hell of a ball player, isn't he, man? They could, he you really know what? They, they could use him in Dallas. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. I, they really that's could. Mean. But you're not wrong, though, Chris. Like, he's like the run he's on, the run he's on, his last seven games 37 points, 41, 21, 25, 30, 38, 40. They have completely empowered him as the star player and giving well, him 20 shots a night, saying, Hey, Brunson, go out there and be the man. That's and what they he, told and, his and, ass he wasn't and, an all star. Well, and, and, and listen, though, like with Brunson. The thing is, is if you look, I, I forget, I don't have the numbers offhand here, but statistically, he was one of the league's most efficient isolation scorers and pick and roll scorers for a couple of years in Dallas. And now the Knicks, they're giving him star level usage. The efficiency numbers have not dipped. They have maintained. So I think he, he very well might be an example of a guy where even when given that responsibility and opportunity, the efficiency doesn't drop off. 
So if that's if this is indeed the case with the Knicks and it's sustainable over the course of time, you know, like he's averaging 20 plus shots since really in the new year, around since Christmas time is when they gave him that huge bump. If that maintains, that definitely changes some things for when it comes to assessing what the Knicks are and what they can be, not just this year, but, you know, in the coming years as they build this thing out. Well, and with playoff basketball, we saw Randall have the all-pro, all-NBA season and then vomit all over himself when they got into the playoffs. Yeah. We have seen, we don't have to wonder what Brunson's going to look like when the stakes get higher. Because that dude did it without Luka last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it mattered most, he was at his absolute best. That's how he got the $100 million. He was, so you don't have to worry, like, is, is this guy, what's going to happen? Yeah, okay, regular season points, but what's going to happen when everything gets a little harder and you're in the playoffs? Like, that dude was a bucket. He was one of the best playoff performers we watched last season. He was better than he was during the regular season. And so totally. it's kind of it's kind of freaky to think about. What if he's even better than this? Well, and, and now you pair him with Brunson. They, you know, they're one of the league's best pick-and-roll duos statistically on second spectrum. You look at the top combinations, they're, they're right up there. Um, you know, So now maybe the, Randall can, you know, when everything ain't focused on him, yep. to shut him down, like his all-NBA year, Maybe then he can become the performer that he's been during the regular season because Brunson's the man. Mm-hmm. They they have kind of morphed this in the you know, during the course of the season, and it's for it's for the betterment of that team for sure. Yeah, I actually think they're going to be a tough out for one of those good teams when it gets to the playoffs. Like I think they're going to put the fear of God into somebody. You know, if they have to if they have to face them, because somebody good's going to have to face. Well, it's them. because they have Josh Hart. For sure. Your guy. They could really use him in New Orleans. Um, let's talk about the Nets. So I wanted to see what the new look Nets, and it's just, you know, as we knew, it's a bunch of wing guys, whatever. I'm really resenting this now that I'm seeing it in person. I wanted the Cam Thomas thing to keep going. I know. I know. And it's just not going to happen. They, they cut us minutes in half. <laughs> He's just back to the bench and I going know. two for seven. How boring is that? Yeah. They, they, like, that was they, super fun for like two days. Yeah. Three days, I guess. And now, yeah. Like, it's, it's like a bunch of role players all playing together yes. that are like, you the, know, the they Spencer got, Dinwiddie show, Chris. I know. It was a lot more fun when it was the Cam Thomas show, right? I know. I, I like Cam Thomas a lot. We do. We, we love Cam Thomas. We've he's been just fans fun. for a long time, yeah. The guy's fun. And yeah, he's just relegated now back to the bench and there he has to now he has to check into the game with freaking Ben Simmons Hmm. tough Jacques Vaughn's quote about Ben Simmons last night says it all all right for those that do not know this is unbelievable somebody asked him does the lack of having stars drawing the defense around him make it more difficult to figure out the best ways to use Ben this is what Jacques Vaughn said it's going to be something we have uh, that we have uh, work that we have to do because you ha- you just have to take a look at what the lineups could potentially look like. You put another big next to big, then you, uh, Ben, then you got to figure out what the spacing is around him. Then you put another playmaker next to him, then you got to figure out what Ben looks like without the basketball. Then you go small with Ben, then you have to figure out can you rebound enough with him. So the challenges are ahead of us. We'll look at them head on. We'll figure it out. We have the personnel to figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, he literally outlined every scenario in which you can play Ben Simmons and said none of them are great options. (laughs) It's a way to, it would be like if you said, uh, give me a super long-winded answer uh, for why Ben Simmons is unplayable, chat GBT or whatever that thing's called. <laughs> like, you could have just said he's unplayable. Instead, you had to come up with, like, all the challenges. Like, yeah, well, dude, we know. So the problem is, if we play with a small guy, and then the problem is, if we play with a medium-sized guy, and the problem is, if we play with a big guy, it's like, oh, we're kind of out of options. You've kind of named the small, medium, and large size guys. 
<laughs> Who exactly is he a fit with? Tough. And the challenges are ahead of us. Kevin O'Connor. Mm-hmm. For Jacques Vaughn. I, I don't know what you do. I mean, uh, well, first off, like I think everything Jock Vaughn cry, said, you well, cry. That, well, that was that was the benefit of him playing with Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid, you know, was the perfect teammate for Ben Simmons. Embiid could space the floor, he could dominate in the paint, he could protect the paint on defense. He was everything that you need next to Ben Simmons, and that's why those guys worked so well together for years. When Ben Simmons went to Brooklyn, my source of excitement was, wow. He's going to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We're going to get to see Ben Simmons in the Draymond role. Dribble handoffs, pick and rolls, screen and roll hard to the basket, Draymond Green style. Simmons has not embraced that in the slightest at all. He does screen more often. He does do more DHOs. But when it comes to everything around the basket, and this happened again last night, the last play with Philadelphia passing on the open layup, he still does it time and time again where he, I think there's a fear within him of getting fouled. I think that's why he doesn't roll hard to the basket, why he doesn't try these layup attempts. He's shooting worse than he ever has from the free throw line. He spends a year and a half away from the court despite having people in his life, coaches included, who want him to switch shooting hands. He has the stubbornness not to do it. He has been unwilling to change over the years. I think all of the issues you're seeing with Ben Simmons today have been self-inflicted because of his stubbornness for years going back to his time in Philly and LSU, or when Jonathan Gavoni was still running at Yahoo and said how everybody on the Australian national team wasn't a fan of Simmons or his mentality and approach to the game. This is a Ben Simmons issue that he needs to resolve himself with his mentality and approach to the game and embracing who he really can be as a player rather than thinking of himself as some LeBron James-level player who's a victim of circumstance. No, you need to figure out who you are as a player and the things you got to do to w- play winning basketball. Because this guy right now, like, you're a goner. You're, 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 you're going to get traded this offseason to a team that views you just as, as a salary dump, not as a contributor. If you're Ben Simmons, you got to figure it out, man. It's like I, I, it's honestly really sad to see. It, it really is. is. That guy was it all is. NBA, all defense, all yep. everything. You know, we talk about it like he's just like the bum of all bums. Like he was awesome. He was not a scorer, but I mean, he could still get you 17, 18 points. I mean, it wasn't like a, and he could still go to the basket and drive. He was aggressive. He was aggressive going to the basket. Led the league in three-pointer assists. Like, he was driving kick monster. But, and, and, like, he was he was driving to the basket and not fearful of getting fouled. I, I, I genuinely think there's something, like, mental here. There's a mental mm. block with Simmons here that he has not been able, unable to get over more so than a physical aspect. I'm sure... There is a physical element here. They go hand in hand. But ever since that happened in Philadelphia, when he passed on the open layup, yeah. he does that He does that so much more frequently than he ever has. It shows up in the numbers. He's shooting at 43.9% from the free throw line on 1.4 free throw attempts per game. He is not willing to draw contact with the basket because he doesn't want to get fouled and get put at the line. And that's why he's unable to do some of the things that they needed him to do, the Draymond style screen and roll, where you know he's in the in the short roll, picking apart defenses of the, as a passer or driving all the way to the rim. He just doesn't do that. He sets screens and he and he you know dilly dallies around three point line, and that's it. it. It's so infuriating to watch this guy when you know what he was in Philadelphia I know. and what he could have been in that situation with KD and Kyrie. And now it feels like he's in basketball no man's land where this is not a situation for him. There's no lineup that works for him. You can't play him next to, next to Nick Claxton for the reasons Jock Vaughn said. There's no guard that you can pair him with on the team because he's unwilling to roll. And if you play small with him, You'd rather just have Claxton out there because Claxton's one of the best shot blockers in the whole league. Ben Simmons doesn't rebound or block shots like that. He, he's, he's a center-style player, but he doesn't play like it. And I, I think for Simmons right now, he needs to do a lot of self-reflection and figuring out what are the things that I need to do to be a winning basketball player moving forward, or do I want to be out of the league? Because right now, he looks like a guy that doesn't belong. 
Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app, and they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. Let me ask you about the uh, trade that lasted the longest, which was a story that came down over the weekend that the four-team trade that had Sadiq Bey going to Atlanta and it had uh, Gary Payton II going back to the Warriors and it had James Wiseman headed to Detroit and then all the second-round picks going to Portland, that that was possibly in peril because of a medical condition that was found by the Warriors training staff, which was said to, you know, keep him out for months, but that he had been playing while getting shot up with Tordal or whatever for Portland. And so, man, it was just a super weird story. And then you know that this happened like right at the deadline. And the main story that we talked about with it was this saving a hundred and $30 million or whatever the hell it was with the Wiseman deal. So, like, you're almost in this impossible situation, aren't you? Because that's what I was thinking. It's like, all right, if we say this is effed up and we nix the trade, then James Wiseman's back on our roster and it's super awkward and we're going to have to pay a hundred. It's going to cost us $120 million or whatever it is in luxury tax bill. Like, we have to have this trade go through, even if it is kind of screwy. And I imagine they'll probably like, I don't know, like maybe make Portland give them something else or maybe they get penalized or whatever the case may be. But I don't know. Have you talked to anybody about this and what the hell went on here? No, I don't know anything else, you know, beyond what we know what's been reported here, that there's clearly a disagreement. The, the weird part is the Warriors mentioning how they think the league should also look into the Larry Nance deal with the Pelicans from last year. You know, bringing that back up, too. Yeah, and look, I, you know, I'm a big sports collector. I actually bought, one of the things that uh, when you go to some of these sports card shows or whatever, there's always, like, the guy that's got, like, all the old Sports illustrated. And so I'll go through the box and I'll try to find like cool covers or maybe like a cover article about one. And there were three that I bought the last time I was around something like this. I got like the Dr. K one with Gooden on the front. I got the Herschel Walker where he's wearing like a million gold chains on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And then the other one was this like sad Bill Walton sitting with his knees all wrapped up on a bench. And it's the cover of Sports Illustrated. And I was like, I, I, I like the cover is not that great. I just want to read this. And then I go in, I read the article and the whole article. And I imagine this, this is like obviously in the late seventies about him suing the team and suing the doctors for the team, like in Portland, whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I couldn't help but think about it this week. I'm like, bro, there's been some kind of weird doctor crap going on with Portland for like 40 years. I mean, the Greg Oden stuff, the Brandon Roy stuff, the Sam Bowie stuff, the Bill Walton stuff. And it's like, this is a minor as compared to some of those. But what a weird deal, man. That is so bizarre that like once upon a time, the cover of Sports Illustrated was about the medical staff in Portland. <laughs> and now you fast forward and it's, you know, 
damn near 50 years later, and we're having a discussion about the medical staff in Portland, and there's a team bringing up other possible shenanigans. And I don't know if you saw this, but I, I guess he never tweets, and I had forgotten to unfollow him after he was gone from Memphis. But Justice Winslow was like showed up on my Twitter feed. Oh, you you and, unfollow players who leave the team? Well, I just don't. You, you well, just why would I like have a, any? You, you dump no, them no, like no. I, if I don't know them, <laughs> if I don't know, I didn't know him. You know what I mean? I didn't care. Like somebody like Kyle Anderson, like of course I don't unfollow him. Like I want to still see what he's up to. I know the guy, but like you think I care what Justice Winslow's doing in Portland? Um, but anyway, he. You, did you see the story came out about this? And Justice Winslow, who is on the team, he's on the team now, currently. Yeah, he did put the, up the uh, Kermit team yeah, the emoji. Kermit, that's Ker- the Kermit, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Which is the, you know, nobody asked me, but or what is it? Uh, don't mind me, or whatever the Kermit emoji is. I don't know, man. I mean, Justice Winslow is probably like the last one that you're going to to get, you know, to say it's the medical staff's fault, but he hadn't played too much basketball. But I did yeah. find it interesting that there's a guy, his team just had a possible failed trade and he's putting the Kermit emoji up. <laughs> like, Don't mind me. Uh, <laughs> I, I just pulled up the tweet, just so I scroll on the replies. Andre Iguodala got the eye emojis reply in there. Just seeing if there's any other players responding. No, that's the only one I see. Iguodala with the eye emojis. Hmm. Crazy, right? Interesting. Well, Kev, a couple things real quick. We got the Zion news over the weekend. Terrible. Really terrible. At least Brandon Ingram's playing unbelievably. Yeah, another mismatch listener. I made the Andre Ingram joke when he first came back, and now he's, I think he scored over 25 the last. I mean, pretty much every game they've had over the last week, and he's been like over 50% from the field, right? Yeah, yeah. Every ever time. So, ever, ever since he made that joke. Yeah. and Josh, I mean, Josh Hart, mismatch listener, Brandon Ingram. Yeah. All those Pelicans guys. Yeah, yeah. The old, old school Pelicans guys. Yeah, Zion, and there's no like clarity on this, right? It's like, yep, yeah, it's going to be sometime after the All-Star break. I don't know, man. Are we even going to get this guy back for the playoffs? And what's so crazy is this all just feels like this are, are is they, what the Are they even going to make the playoffs? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, that'd be a tough you know, go for some of the I, I tweets mean, I favored it. They're only... They're only that, would be, that would be rough. The, the, if they don't make the playoffs... The, the Pelicans... Oh, oh, no! The Pelicans are currently the seven seed. They're, they're a game back. Well, they're three games back from the three seed. So they're three games back from the Kings for the three, but they're only four games up from the Lakers for the 13 seed. So like this could go either way with them right now. They could plummet down out of no, the top Oh, a team with or, a better future than Memphis? It can't go the wrong way. Yeah, just, just you wait. Come on. For what? Yeah. I mean, for we'll what? See. <laughs> If You're going to be waiting forever. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. dummy. Yeah, okay. Only because of Zion. Just fell. you wait. Ho- ho- hopefully Zion can get The back. Pelicans in the finals. <laughs> Yo, Chris, I don't know if they're even going to make the play Yeah, yeah well, that, that, was all about, that was all about the health of Zion. We can giggle or we can oh, cry. Oh, I forgot. Cry. Nobody else has been injured. Um, John it's, Moran it's didn't near, nearly a laugh, last year. but it's really a cry. No, it sucks, man, because he's the, look, and it's virtually all these teams. But we still have, uh, after the All-Star break, and you think about teams, uh, legitimately, Kevin, all joking aside, teams that would really like, put the fear of God into anybody. We have not seen Durant yet with his team. Curry is expected to be back after the All-Star break, but we don't have a timetable. He said no timetable. We don't really have a timetable on Zion, right? There's three already. Like, and LeBron's out right now. And there's reporting that his foot is worse than let on. So, I mean, these are all-star starters that are the best players on these teams and all out right now. And so it does feel like the Western Conference 
is going to come down to like who's who's got their guys and who doesn't. Because I think right now we've got like a question mark on we're we're going to get past this All-Star break and a lot of these teams hopefully will get their guys back and be able, but you're not going to have that many games to get under your belt before you get to playoff basketball. And I guess we're going to, we're going to test the whole, can you just throw it together without being in a bunch of different game situations? It's this talent just overcome. Sometimes it does. I mean, look at what Milwaukee's doing right now. I, I, we can't go the whole podcast without mentioning that they're on a 10 game winning streak. You know, Chris Middleton, he, you know, he's had some up and down games, but he looks like he's mostly back. He looked great the other night against the Lakers, had a really good game last week against the Miami Heat. Giannis, over the last 10 games, ever since he got back, the Bucks are undefeated 10-0. and He's averaging 37.3 points, 13.4 rebounds, 5.5 assists. He's a dominant force on defense. He is having the best stretch of his, of his entire year so far, an MVP caliber season. He is the best player in the world. And the Bucks with Middleton back over that same exact stretch, he came back the same game Giannis came back. They look like the best team in basketball no, right that's, now. But that's, a, to me, but that's, to me, that's a continuity thing. And I think we saw last year, we talked so much about it with the Warriors and the Bucks, and, uh, and the Celtics, for that matter. You know, with all the minutes that those guys have logged together, all the wars that they've been in. And I think that's true of Denver in spades. You know, and Denver, they, those guys have played a lot of minutes together. It's something that Memphis obviously is betting on too. And you get, we're going to find out if it matters, whether or not continuity uh, yep. matters greatly because <laughs> you've got some of the best teams right now. I think that's their advantage. Now, it may not become an advantage when you get into the playoffs. That may not matter as much. The continuity and the minutes logged and the amount of games you've been in together may not matter as much. But, I mean, that's we're about to find out this talent win because Phoenix has got the they got this they got the guys. I still right? think Boston and Milwaukee are better than everybody in the league. I think you're right. Like a level of their own, I think. I think Milwaukee to me is I just hear too many Boston people being scared about the Missoula thing. Whether that's founded or not. And maybe that's just Bill. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? He seems worried about the Missoula thing and what, what happens when you get into the playoffs. And is he going to be able to be like Ime was and make well, the and, and it's it's not just Ime, though. It's Will Hardy. Uh, yeah. we, we talked about it at the time, even before all that Udoka stuff happened last year, losing Will Hardy. The, mm -hmm. the, everybody I talked to had said Will Hardy was integral to some of their adjustments that were made in the postseason. And we see what, what he's done this year with Utah. I mean, like they keep trading guys away. They 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 trade away Mitchell and Gobert. They win. They trade away Conley and Beasley and Vanderbilt. They still win. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't make a difference. I you know what? I'm gonna see them tomorrow night in person. Oh yeah, yeah. Get ready for an L. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Yeah, Walker Kessler, Rudy Gobert, 2.0 going out well, there. Well, you know, Colin Sexton's always. Running out of a cage, foaming at the mouth every oh, time I, he gets a chance yeah, to start. Yeah, Colin Sexton's awesome, right? So you got yeah. him. You got like you got all these guys that are going to go hard. Yeah, and man, that hey, regarding the, like we always try to find out at this point of the season, like who's just going to basically not quit, but like punt. Pretty clear what we got going on in Indiana. <laughs> My God. Yeah. This weekend when they, they gave up 83 in the first half to Washington, I was like, okay, maybe they'll get Wimbayama. <laughs> Wimbayama with uh, Tyrese Halliburton would be a hell of a deal, huh? Mm, oh, my goodness. If Can they could imagine? hit the lottery. Oh, boy. I mean, but it does feel like them, and they're the only ones that, like, it, it started with the Halliburton thing, but it's kind of like, feels like they, they had their mind made up for them when they went on that. I think they've won two of their last 18. So at this point, it's like... The, the, the race at the top is pretty fun. Like, like there was that great double overtime game between San Antonio and Detroit the other day. San Antonio's <laughs> lost 13 in a row. 
poor Detroit winning that game by accident. Then, then, <laughs> then, Sh- then Charlotte, they they have 16 wins on the year. Three of them against the sad, pathetic Hawks. I mean, my goodness. And the Hawks gave up 130 plus on all three of those games. Or 120 plus. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I made a mistake. 120 plus in all three of those games. What an embarrassment they are. 100. What was the number? 144? Mark Williams blocking that Trey Young three? Yeah. In crunch time? Yeah, 144, 138. They put it 144 on the Hawks. Embarrassing. Trey Young losing track of Gordon Hayward off an, off of an inbound to get an open three. Then then a minute later losing track of Terry Rozier on a simple cut to the basket. Absolute embarrassment. That team's <laughs> never are. winning anything. One forty four is severe. Yeah. Oy. To the Hornets who have three wins against the Hawks this season. <laughs> three of their sixteen <laughs> wins. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Three of their sixteen are all against Atlanta. Yeah, that's amazing. I know they scored they 120 plus, 120 plus on all of them. Unbelievable! All right, well, it should be fun. Uh, we got the All Star game coming up later this weekend. Finally, get a All Star uh, break. Uh, we will talk to everybody later this week. Kevin, I'll talk to you on Thursday. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.